This podcast was recorded from our weekly live stream. To watch this video or see other episodes of The Spiritual Journalist, head to thespiritualjournalist.com or find me on YouTube. You can find a link in the show notes. Hello, and welcome to this episode of The Spiritual Journalist. I'm so grateful you found us here, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. We have Veronica Lee joining us, who has been an intuitive, a spiritual teacher for decades now, and today we're exploring the Akashic Records. So this is a term you might have heard along your spiritual journey as you start to fall down the rabbit hole a little bit. Maybe a psychic told you they were accessing the Akashic Records, but what does that actually mean? Well, that is the question we will be exploring today, and we're really excited for someone who's very familiar with the Akashic Records to introduce them to us. So let's get started. I've always been a deeply curious person, talking with anyone who would listen and soaking in as much information as possible. So it's no surprise my love for storytelling led me to a career in journalism. But after nearly a decade working in newsrooms across the West Coast, I realized I wanted to start asking questions you probably wouldn't see on your local news. So I left my job as a morning TV reporter and started The Spiritual Journalist. This isn't just a YouTube channel, podcast, website, or social media page. This is a live conversation where you get to ask questions too, because I'm not the expert. I'm not here to tell you what to believe. My goal is to connect you with people who have profound experiences and inspirational stories to share. And we'll definitely mix a little astrology in too. So if you're like me, you have this insatiable curiosity and you love deep conversations too, well, this is the place for you. Together each week, we'll explore everything from crystals and tarot to mental health and the environment. There are no wrong questions here. My ultimate goal is for you to come away from each episode with a new perspective and an expanded consciousness. This is a channel for the collective. This is a community for the curious. This is The Spiritual Journalist. Hi, Veronica. Hey, Olivia. Good to see you. So happy to have you on today. I'm really excited to get into our conversation, but the first thing I do in every episode is pull up my guest's birth chart. I think it's more fun than reading your resume or, you know, talking about what you do. I'd like to see your energy first. So I know you're very familiar with the birth chart, with astrology. I'm sure we'll get into this, but your mother was an astrologer. So as I point out what I'm seeing, feel free to jump in and add your own perspective, your own two cents too, all right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so we'll start with your big three. You are a Libra sun and a Libra rising. Uh, and actually what's really interesting about your chart is that your sun and rising are conjunct. So uh, I believe you were born right around sunrise then. The sun was literally coming up on the horizon. Um, and I'm curious, actually, since you are very knowledgeable in this area, do you feel really energized around sunrise usually because you were born around sunrise or how does that play out for you? Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. I don't really consider myself a morning person just because I do like to sleep in and, you know, I've never 
liked to get up earlier than seven, but I will if I have to, and I've had to for many years. That's just how life can be. And at the same time, when I allow myself to wake up early as you know, maybe a little before seven, I actually do feel really good about that time, that that quiet space it, that just allows for openness of the day without any expectation. So um, yeah, it's kind of an interesting picture and I haven't really thought of it in terms of whether or not that day work, that part of the day works for me, but it's it's fun to hear your reflection on that. Yeah, I feel the same way. I was born around 6.20. I think you were born around 7.20. Uh, and I'm not necessarily a morning person either, but right, if I am awake at that part of the day, I'm like, oh, this feels really good. So just, just curious. Now, you and I are also similar in the fact that we both have Scorpio moons. I, I love people with Scorpio moons. I think we need to start a club because... <laughs> We feel things very deeply, you know, uh, but also having a Scorpio moon is a very intuitive quality. You know, we're willing to be vulnerable and go deep with people. And I'm sure this shows up in your work as well, holding space for people and really like being willing to go there and, and get deep into the nitty gritty, having intimate conversations as we're having right now. Um, so interesting there you have your venus and libra as well in the 12th house so you have a stellium in libra a stellium in virgo as well in your 11th house and a stellium in scorpio it's like these three major energies really playing out in your chart here your stellium in virgo in the 11th house uh, i would imagine you like to be around a group of people or in a community that has very similar like values or is particular about the things that you're particular about uh, and then you you know the 12th house energy you have of course is that venus in the 12th house you're drawn to and attracted to spiritual pursuits spiritual concepts healing um, you know that makes sense as well I think it's interesting. You have a lot going on in your first house too, borderline your second house. Mercury in the first house, easily being able to express yourself. Mercury in Scorpio is interesting too though because, uh, you know, I feel like that could make you pretty like matter of fact or even blunt or just like telling people, keeping it real when you're communicating. Like this is how it is. I'm not sugarcoating anything. <laughs> um, and the nice thing I think is that because I have that double Libra energy, there's always that part that does do the sugar coating, but especially being this, you know, communicative in the Scorpio with the Scorpio, it really helps me be really clear with my words. When I do do readings for people, it helps me just kind of hone in exactly to the words they need to hear. And often people will talk about being spot on because I can feel it. I can see it. I can sense it. And then I can articulate it. Yeah. Getting straight to the point. I love that. And, uh, you know, I the Libra energy, I say this all the time about my chart because we do have a lot of like similar, you know, concentrated energies in our charts. I'm like the Libra is the saving grace between the Scorpio and the Virgo. My big three are in Scorpio, Virgo too, but I have a stellium in Libra as well. And I'm like, it really just softens both of these pretty <laughs> intense, harsh energies. And nothing bad about Virgo, Scorpio. Every sign has exactly. a great quality. Exactly. When I, when I, one time, so the funny thing is that I know the basics of astrology. I did never, I never went deep into it. Um, from the time I was little, I knew everybody's signs. I knew, I remembered their birthdays. I knew their general, um, 
personality based on what their, you know, sign, sun sign was. I understood, um, you know, the different elements and how the elements, you know, like the mental signs or the air signs, et cetera. Um, but I never really got any deeper anyway when I was looking at my chart recently and I decided to kind of look at each of the different signs from what planets they're um, represented by and such I realized I knew I had a lot of Libra I knew I had a lot of Scorpio but I hadn't realized that there was so much Virgo and so I knew with the Scorpio I had that bitchy kind of energy and then I went oh there's a picky bitch you know <laughs> so rising up there but yes it's it's a kind of a I think it's a sweet balance honestly it, it gives you the you know, virginal sweetness and the purity, the Libra that has the the heart and the the want to be harmonious, and then that Scorpio that says, "And don't mess with me." So, I mean, I'm biased because this describes me as well. But yeah, I think that's a really accurate depiction. The last thing I do want to point out about your chart, um, well, first of all, you have Saturn in Pisces, so your second Saturn return is coming probably in like 2024, 2025. We won't worry about that just yet. But you have a grand trine in your chart. So this big green triangle is what's called a grand trine. And yours is in water signs. So your midheaven is at the top. Your moon in Scorpio is over here. And your Chiron in Saturn in Pisces is the, the third part of the grand trine. This is a nice balance. And probably as a whole in your chart, it brings a lot of emotion, a lot of feeling into it, a lot of intuition. Water's really connected to our intuition. And I think it's interesting that your midheaven's in Cancer uh, because the midheaven is like this high point of visibility or what we're known for in our life. And as I'm sure we'll get into as we start our conversation, a lot of your life has been focused on mothering and being the mother. But I think, and, and you can speak to this as well, uh, your ability to hold safe space for people, to walk people through transformation is probably tied to the fact that you know how to mother people, you know how to make people feel safe. And also almost this like mothering energy of leading the next generation or uh, you know leading people younger than you by being the example. So... I wanted to point out that midheaven and cancer because I think it's a really beautiful energy when we, we talk about your work and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, the mothering piece that has been, it's almost like I incarnated specifically for two things, to hold space for the collective and to mother, right? And the mothering piece has been my priority, my joy, and, you know, the part that was probably the hardest and yet the most rewarding in so many ways, of course, and that's so cliche, but it's, it just really, really rested well in my soul, right? This is what I so wanted. And, um, in February, my youngest two of four who are twins moved out and I thought, okay, I'm going to be an empty nester. And I had about seven weeks of it, and my oldest decided to move home because she's, you know, she's 28. She's looking to probably get married at some point soon, maybe-ish. She's been with her boyfriend for 12 years and is thinking of it, finally, but would like to save money for that and for a house and such. So she thought, why not come home for a while? And I'm enjoying it. And the nice thing is I'm not having to mother her, but enjoying that sense of having, you know, my home filled with children again or my children again. So <laughs> is, yes. Yeah. The last thing as we're saying this too, that I'll point out before we, we move on is your Jupiter's in Leo 
And let's see, your Jupiter is at two degrees in Leo. Okay, so your Jupiter is in the 10th house, which is like abundance in your career and long-term goals. And then Leo is this energy of being seen, being able to show up, to perform. And I love that in your career, you've been very visible and you're fine being visible. You're fine speaking. You're, you know, you've been on the cover of magazines. Like you're totally comfortable in that energy. And a lot of your abundance comes from being willing to just show up and, kind of be the center of attention a little bit and own it, which is a really nice balance to that midheaven and cancer, you know, your ability to still put yourself out there and, and be the one, you know? Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. And that's really the energy that I think I'm moving into is yes, I've done all these things, but it was always still sort of uh, behind the scenes in terms of, you know, in comparison to my mothering. And now that my children have really, you know, flown the nest, it's like, this is the part that's stepping forward more. I think your second Saturn return will really emphasize that too, because Saturn's in the fifth house for you, which is traditionally ruled by Leo. It's about performing and expressing. And so in the next couple of years, I just see you kind of coming more and more out of that shell and more being about like me and my expression. But anyway, anything else you want to say before we dive into Akashic Records? No, that was perfect. Okay, awesome. So as we get this conversation going, those of you who are joining us live, feel free to throw your questions for Veronica in the chat. We'll pull them up as we start the conversation. But where I would love to start is actually with your childhood. I know we touched on your mother a little bit being an astrologer, but a lot of my guests on this show have like a spiritual awakening or a kind of come into spirituality at some point in their late teens or adulthood. For you, this has been a part of your life pretty much since birth. Absolutely. Yes. My mother was a dynamic, interesting woman. She was a powerhouse, uh, Aries, with a lot of that warlike energy. And I really see her as an indigo child that she came in to sort of like cut down all the bullshit and all the, you know, patriarchy and all the old mainstream stuff that wasn't working to kind of clear, you know, a way for the new, for the new you know, children to come in specifically for me. And um, I think that as a child, I picked her as a parent so that um, I would have that as a foundation, that I wouldn't have to sort of delay my, my you know, ready to start this, this work. So when I was about three, she was a teenage mom, by the way. She um, did get married when she was 15 to my dad, and it was mostly to get out of the house. She didn't like her upbringing, a lot of trauma and such. And so um, they thought he was going to go to Vietnam. And so the pregnancy was conscious and I was actually born on their first wedding anniversary. But the marriage didn't last. You know, she was young. She was independent. She wanted to go back to college. And while she was in college, she met our what became our family psychic. She met a woman who was a metaphysician, an intuitive, a teacher, and taught my mom, you know, just basically everything that I grew up with. So from the time I was about three or four, and this is the early 70s, um, I was, you know, doing, going with my mom to these little groups at uh, Mary's house, holding my hands over people that would be considered sort of like Reiki today, do, you know, sending energy. I learned how to manifest at a really young age. I was taught, you know, we are our own God, you know, just all of these concepts that were so ingrained in my upbringing and didn't realize they were different until I started to have maybe 
conversations with kids at school and then I recognized, oh, this isn't normal. And I remember being told at one point, probably more than once, but I just remember being told because I didn't go to church, it wasn't, you know, part of my upbringing that I was going to go to hell. And I thought, oh, that's kind of an interesting concept, you know, but I absolutely was drawn to all things metaphysical. My favorite TV show was Bewitched. I had a black cat named Familiar. I was, I had a little crystal ball, which I later learned was actually glass, but nonetheless, you know, this was just my upbringing. And I feel like it created a wonderful foundation, but at the time in the seventies, because it wasn't fully accepted or normal. There was um, a tendency to feel outside of society, but I also see that that's part of our path as very awake beings that we often do feel very aside from society, right? So it's not just because of the upbringing, but because of, you know, let's say the vibration or how awake we came in that will often show us, um, a different vision of the world that that other people may not relate to. So it's not necessarily just the upbringing. It's also just the vibration that we came in as. I have to tell you, so the first time Veronica and I met was at an event here in Sacramento called Goddess Night Out. And at that event, she brought up her mom. Um, and immediately I got full body chills. And I was like, I feel like your mom is here with us. And again, when you just brought up your mom, I'm like full body chills. Like, I, obviously, I've never met her, but she is clearly still very powerful and potent. Do you feel her still around or communicating with you ever? You know, it's interesting. Um, I did lose my husband and my mom within 10 days of each other. They were my foundational people. They were my everything, right? And um, and so basically my husband was diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease back in 2017. And so I was really focused on having to physically take care of him. You know, as with Lou Gehrig's disease, your whole body literally shuts down. So I was doing everything. And meanwhile, my mom decides, you know, to get sick. And I jokingly say decides because she taught us we are creating our reality. I'm like, really mom? And so she ended up getting pancreatic cancer within about seven or eight months of my husband getting his diagnosis. And so then I jokingly say, you know, he's a you know, Sagittarian, she's an Aries, they're both competitive. I'm like, oh, really? You're competing to the death at this point, right? They both went on hospice within a few days of each other. I mean, it was almost comical. But um, I have had some connections with her, but I honestly am still in this place of like, anger, you know, and that's just something that it's taking me a while to kind of still resolve. It's like, how dare you leave me? I wasn't ready. I didn't have a chance to really spend time with you because I was taking care of Eric. And, you know, so there is that. And at the same time, I can't help but feeling her. Any psychic who's ever seen me is like, oh my God, your mom's still there. I'm like, yeah, I know. So she is definitely very strong. Her energy is strong. She has you know, really paved the way, again, not just for me, but for a collective to really come into who they are and to um, really do so with this power because she absolutely represented power. I, again, I like feel her here right now and I don't consider myself a psychic, but anytime you talk about her and you talk about her energy, it's like my body is overcome by it. So just want to acknowledge her presence in this conversation and the fact that we would not be having this conversation if it wasn't for her and for that feeling that I felt the first time you brought her up just in this 
when we had never met before, I just knew I was like, okay, I need to connect with yeah. Veronica. So yeah. let's talk about when you first discovered what the Akashic records were, how did you kind of come into an understanding of them or learn about them? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I, so there was that part when I was in my teens that got really into metaphysics because it was like, cool, dude, right? And then as I moved on to college, there was a little bit more of a need or a desire to sort of be normal. And so I jokingly say, I tried that for a while and it didn't work out so well. And I ended up being um, an at-home mom. I wanted to be an at-home mom. And I was in a position in which I needed to support myself financially. So I had all these kids of my own and I thought, let's do a preschool out of my home. Meanwhile, my children were enrolled in a private Waldorf school. And Waldorf education was founded by um, a man named... Uh, Rudolf Steiner, who himself was one of those theosophists of the turn of the century, last century, who spoke about the Akashic Records, who really sees children as these spiritual beings incarnating, right? And he did a lot of study on both, you know, let's say Western and Eastern philosophy and created, or I would say downloaded this whole way of, you know, educating children, but also almost like educating adults even to really connect with who they are, who they're here to be and to honor our intuition, et cetera. So it was during that time that I had my preschool and started talking about some metaphysics with one of the children's mothers. And she literally at that point said to me, have you ever thought about doing Akashic record readings? And as soon as she said it, just sort of like that feeling you had about my mom, there was this sense of like, no, but that's it, right? And so from there, she did recommend, I think it might have been, honestly, Linda Howe, I see Jennifer mentions her. I can't remember who she mentioned, but she had gone through some sort of training herself. And at that point, I just did like a Google search, you know, and I was looking for who this, you know, who I might be able to learn this, you know, technique from, whatever it was. I didn't know exactly what it was. And at the time, there was really, <laughs> excuse me, limited people in the California area that were teaching. So I ended up flying to Texas and this was in 2005 and went to an organization called the Akashic Records Consultants International. And in that, you know, weekend, I think it was a weekend training, I really explored this realm for myself and in their teaching. And I think with a lot of these teachings, they believe that you access the records with a prayer and it's only this prayer and there is no other way. And I think each of them has their sort of version of that. And so I used their prayer, didn't care for the prayer, but it worked. And from there ended up developing my own relationship with the records. That being said, one of the things that I discovered when I was working in the records is I had spent my whole life understanding psychic phenomena, but this other energy field now brought in this connection to oneness. And it was so big and so overwhelming. And there was this pure love energy that it opened me up in ways that I can't even really describe because it was like, it was one thing to have intuitive information that was kind of narrowed through my filter or my fears, but to now have this intuitive information that was expanded and connected to love consciousness, there was a big wow in that for me. And of course, for my clients. 
Yeah, you mentioned Jennifer's comment. She just started reading Discover Your Soul's Path Through the Akashic Records by Linda House. So that is a resource if anybody is looking for a book. Uh, and I love that Jennifer was just saying on our other live stream this morning, wow, I just started reading this book and I've been curious to learn about it. And then you're having this conversation. So if you're finding this video, there's definitely no coincidence that your pull towards the Akashic Records is, is aligned. So let's talk about your first experiences. You know, a lot of times when people think of like the Akashic Records, they think of like a file cabinet or, you know, just like actual records, like almost books or something that you're accessing. But what are you actually accessing? Is it a database? Is it, you called it a realm? What are the Akashic Records? Yeah. Um, if I were to ask you, what is God? And I was to ask maybe your neighbor, what is God? And I was to ask somebody else, what is God? That is essentially the same question for me. In other words, I don't necessarily want to confine it for anyone because really it's going to be, what is my experience of the records, right? So one of the things I teach people is how to connect into this realm in A, whatever means works for them. And I give lots of practice practices of different ways to connect into the records and then it can become a relationship in which they uh experience the records for them for themselves so i want to just kind of preface this with it is what you experience it to be for one and for me in particular i experience it as this absolute oneness and there is so much joy and information and um, acceptance that it really feels like I've entered this realm of all knowing and all loving. So it does feel very much like the divine. Uh, so those are the sort of general, you know, descriptions that I offer. But at the same time, I do see it as this place of all that is, all that you know, can be all that probably was, and more importantly, who we are when we are aligned with source. That's most uh, of a description, the most clear description I can offer without, uh, without, you know, imposing my beliefs on anybody, but all without describing really the undescribable. It's really interesting, and I think I really appreciate this about you, actually. It's probably your Libra coming out of not being like, this is how it is. And that is truly why I started this show, because as I started my own journey into spirituality, I started listening to podcasts or YouTube videos, and I noticed a lot of people in the spiritual space just saying, this is how things are. And the journalist in me was like, well, why? <laughs> you know, like, why do you believe that? And so I think it's really cool that you have this approach of not just saying, these are the Akashic records. This is the prayer you have to say. This is, you know, how you access them, but sharing your own experience with them. So of course you have been accessing the Akashic records for, you know, over a decade, I think 17 years, you said now. Mm -hmm. Has your relationship with them or with this other realm evolved? Have you been able to feel into it more easily every time you do access them? 
Yeah, so interestingly, when I first started doing readings or when I first started accessing the records, I felt this very physical sensation of either being dizzy or uh, maybe a little nauseous or even a little bit like on drugs. Like, honestly, the very first time I accessed the records, I had been in this workshop. And then that evening I went home, not home to my hotel room because it was in Texas. And then I literally felt like I was on some kind of acid trip because I had been there, done that in high school. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm freaking out here and I'm about to be abducted by aliens. It was so freaky <laughs> that I called my you know, teacher at the time. I'm like, I'm going to be abducted by aliens. I'm on acid. And she just laughed and was like, this is normal. And I didn't want it to be normal, right? Because that was so strange. And at the same time, there was something that was like trying to show me this is a different realm, to feel this is a different realm, to experience the differentness. After a while, it just started to dissipate that feeling, right? So a lot of times when people have a reading with me, they may themselves feel tingling in their head or they might start to feel dizzy or whatever because when I go into the records, to their records, they're in that same energy field as well. But it isn't a necessity. And what I found, because my readings are question-based, that I've gotten so used to people asking me questions and suddenly having all this information when I'm in their records that now when people just ask me a question, you know, conversation with a friend is like, all this information comes up. So it's both informational, but more importantly, the part that again, that has been most profound for me is this place of pure love and feeling this judgment really soften. You know, as much as my mom was a metaphysician and astrologer, she practiced tarot, she did all things, you know, metaphysical herself. She also was a radical feminist who was highly judgmental. And so I was taught, you know, from a really young age, right, wrong, good, bad, shame, you know, et cetera. And in the records that started to, you know, soften. And I could hear my own judgment. I could hear my own, you know, chatter about, well, this isn't right. And then I'd feel and experience the information from the records, which was very open and expanded and loving and accepting for all that is. And little by little, I've been able to integrate that into my everyday life, which is huge for me, the person who can be, you know, to soften and go, wow, this is simply what it is. And to be able to just accept what is with more grace has been, I think, the greatest evolution that I've had. Amazing. So I'm curious, uh, you know, when you're in this state of channeling or accessing the records, you talk about this experience and this feeling, and I'm sure it's not something that can totally be put into words, but how do you know that you're there, that what you're channeling is coming from the records? Yes. So I'll say a couple things to that. The first part being is that we have to accept that we have filters and that those filters are human. And the more compassionate we can be about those filters, then we get less judgmental about ourselves, which, which could also shut down our connection. So in other words, it's like, okay, I recognize that I want to see the world as being a certain way. And when I'm bringing forth information, my filter of that desire is going to be there, right? And really just holding space for that humanness. And at the same time, the difference, because in the records, the energy is pure love that if you hear something that's critical or if you feel that there's a judgment that's not the records 
The records will help discern, show you sort of almost like a contrast to help you discern, but it's not in criticism. If we hear shame, criticism, right, wrong, that's our judgmental mind. That's the critical mind. So when I teach people how to access the Akashic Records, what we do is we practice working in the records and we answer questions in that realm. And then we close the records and then we might answer the exact same questions so that they can start to see for themselves, oh, I can feel and see the difference. So one of the people who took my class besides my mother and lots of people over the years, I, I've been teaching for about 15 years, was my husband. And when he took this class, he was at a very low point in his life. He literally was off the deep end and we had separated for six years. And he was, you know, struggling with mental illness, depression, addiction, just really hitting his demons, you know, essentially. And when he took this class, there's a point in the class in which I have people go into their records and ask the records to write them a love letter. And this is a person who had not an ounce of self-compassion at that point. He was at the lowest of the low. And he was able to write these words about what a, a beautiful person he was to himself, which could not have come from the ego piece or the part that was in such self-hatred and criticism. And it's like, there it is right there. It's that feeling of pure, unconditional love that comes through. And again, there can be discernment so that we can see, but the energy is much more pure. And, and, and I want to say it this way. So as I'm speaking, it's like if you just tune in for a moment, just feel into your own, uh, for most people right now, it's going to be in that, that third chakra, that belly, and just breathe in this energy of you know, the, their own Akashic records. You don't even have to do anything else, but just simply open up your own energy to saying yes to this feeling. You can start to feel that perfection of this moment, the perfection of all that is right now, and it's that simple. It's that right there. So does that kind of give you a sense or a picture? Yeah, it really is. It's beautiful, first of all. But um, I love how you equated asking about what are the Akashic records to asking about what is God. Do you think that they're one and the same? Is it just one way of accessing universal consciousness? Is it universal consciousness? You know, I think we're in this information age where we have so many different labels for things, you know, right. realms and dimensions and timelines and all these things. Is right. it all just the same? Essentially, you know, we, you, you and I are the same, right? We're the same as the worst person on the planet. We just are having a different experience of that sameness. There's only one. And the Akashic Records bring us back to the remembrance of that oneness. And so if you think about the term, and this is, you know, what I do share with in, in the class, is the word Akasha is a Sanskrit word somewhat meaning primary source, you know, source, right? And then records is the testimonies, you know, the, the word of, right? So if we think about the Akashic records, it's essentially the word of God or the word of source. As well, if we think of God in a very narrow way, then of course that may be our experience. And I prefer to experience it as oneness, all that is, I call it oftentimes love consciousness or, um, you know, you can say universal consciousness or cosmic mind, universal mind, whatever. 
because I was raised with metaphysics, one of the things that my mom really loved about the way that she learned metaphysics, it was through um, our family practitioner who was, again, our, what we call our family psychic, and she is the one who married my husband and I. She was part of the Religious Science Church, and now they've changed their name to the Center for Spiritual Living, I think. But it was often talking about universal mind. And one of the things I think my mom, because she'd been through so much trauma, appreciated is this idea that her mind could control everything, that she could escape to her mind. She could understand everything, right? And at the same time, what my own experience of the records is, is that it's letting go of that need to grasp. When we surrender to the all that is, we can feel it resonating in our entire being. And now all of a sudden our heart and our soul are open too, right? It's not just this. So that's why I don't prefer the term universal mind because it reminds me of my mom's desire to escape and analyze everything, but rather to soften into this place of surrender of saying all that is. But again, whatever term people use is perfect for them. It's interesting that you say that because I definitely resonate with, you know, so much of my Virgo, like wanting to analyze, wanting it to make sense in my mind. But the deeper I go into my own practices, it's when, like you were just saying, and, you know, Rose even just said this in the comments, I noticed an unusual warmth near my stomach area toward the beginning of this video. And that warmth kept growing, not uncomfortable, but almost like a loving warmth. And it's like... You know, so much of our experience, especially in this digital age, is through our mind. But the more I lean into my body and the feeling and the sensation, the closer I feel to source, consciousness, oneness, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so how important is that when you are accessing the Akashic Records or just on a spiritual journal journey of your own, you know, just listening to your body and the sensations that are coming through. Is that part of how you channel as well? Yeah. And what's interesting is um, my mom, after, you know, all of this metaphysical upbringing and she was almost like anti, you know, Catholic, cause that was her upbringing. She went off to, you know, explore everything goddess, everything native American, everything, you know, mystic even more. And it was on a spiritual, um, vision quest that she was told she was going to become a minister. And she's like, what, you know, me, you know, that kind of thing. And so she ended up becoming an ordained interfaith minister through the lineage of Yogananda. Um, and one of the things that she taught later on, and I took her class was called the eternal way. And they talk about the, the many paths to the divine. And even through her experience, let's say in the records, when she took my class, she still felt most comfortable and connected with the divine through this study, right? That was her passion. That's called the, um, that's, that's the Yanni, Yan, uh, anyway, I can't think of, it's, I think it begins with a D-J-A-I. Anyway, that's the kind of yogi she was, right? And there's the bhakti, which is from the heart, right? So it really looks at the different expressions and different sort of personalities in their relationship with the divine. So none are better than others. There's no good. There's no bad. It's all just different expressions. So there's that part of us that wants to say, oh, this is my gift. And this is how I so love my relationship with the divine. 
And at the same time, there's nothing wrong with being well-rounded. So where I might be a little bit lazy to study might be like, oh, maybe I just offer that to my soul once in a while to understand a little bit more. And at the same time, my natural tendency is going to be more towards feeling it and experiencing it through my heart and my soul. So you're right. We tend to be in a very patriarchal time in which, you know, the left brain is considered to be a little more valuable and correct and actually safe for the ego to understand and to analyze and to put in boxes. And if we can explain it, and this is where spirituality is starting to sort of make a breakthrough because now physicists and scientists are going, yeah, there might be something to that, right? But at the same time, it's always been what it is. It just is now becoming more acceptable because now it's coming through this other means. But what I do see and what I will say in terms of those of us who came in highly awake and, you know, I'm meeting people all over the world, you know, that are, you know, they came in awake and now they're just here to bring forth whatever it is that, whether it's their channel, whether it's information, whatever it is. But one of the things is they come in more open in these higher realms. So they're going to feel more connected to the divine, to all that is. They're going to start to awaken, you know, their gifts, you know, of intuition. But the key is to continue to bring that down in through their throat, to begin to speak their truth into the heart, to incorporate it into their everyday life and all the way down into that first chakra in which we, it does become come about how we connect to the earth and also anchoring all this light that we came in with into the planet because that's what's going to shift the all it is that we are experiencing in our everyday lives and create heaven on earth so to speak and change our reality co you know collectively co-creating this reality I'm curious what you think about this new age movement right now, which really isn't very new at all. You're proof of that. You've been studying these things, you know, basically your entire life. But what are your thoughts on this seemingly mass awakening, more and more people opening up to spirituality, maybe, uh, you know, tabling the beliefs they grew up in and opening up more to Maybe some of that is true, but also there are all these other possibilities. How do you feel about more and more people kind of coming online to this awareness? Yeah, it makes it easier to be in the world in many ways and to connect with people. And at the same time, I do struggle a bit with the... Um, I call it, let's call it the TikTok version. You know, my kids, my younger two are 21 and they mention, oh yeah, there's, it's popular to do these little things on TikTok where they look in the mirror and they say these chants and da 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 And I'm like, yeah. So because to me, that's going to be more or less a trend and it's going to also be kind of off target, which the target is all about soul connection, not about methodology out there or little tricks and things. And it, will also be like, oh yeah, that's the thing I did when I was a kid. We were into that too. And then they're going to, you know, probably shut the door and think it was just some weird little trend like wearing charm bracelets for my oldest, right? Or whatever it might be. So there's a little bit of that. But I also feel that, you know, the children who are coming in, the young people who are, you know, hitting these ages of their own connection to their to their spirituality are coming in so much clearer and cleaner because they aren't confined to these ideas that were so restricted that they are able to see a little bit more clearly their hearts are more open and they came in more awake so that they can really 
continue this process of anchoring in this reality, which is going to be heart-centered, which is going to be intuitive. Um, I won't say centered, but where our, our intuitive senses are integrated, where they're not separate, and that it becomes more common language where it isn't about being new age or Christian or whatever the different factions are of our beliefs, but recognizing that we each are speaking of the same thing. And like the church, my mom went to this interfaith church. It's, you know, many paths to the one. And that's really, for me, the bigger picture is really opening up our souls to be in alignment with what we've come here to do, to empower ourselves and empower others so that we can be, collectively a greater being gosh i hope so <laughs> you know and it's the the more i am vocal about my spirituality even just about astrology especially coming from you know being in local tv news and not being able to share any of my beliefs you get people of course who are like christ is the only way or my religion is the only way and i'm i'm sure you've dealt with that too and my response is always if that's working for you amazing. If that's bringing you closer to love, if that's making you a better person, if that's helping you find grace for yourself and other people, then that is your path. And that's awesome. That doesn't necessarily resonate for me, but other things do, you know? So what are you, what do you see as far as like, you know, we could go into the history of the world and how divisive religion has been and how most major wars are based off of religion and people's clashing beliefs where it feels like we're at this kind of pivotal point in history right now where there's a lot of chaos and it's very tumultuous uh, and people have access to information all over the world what do you see moving forward are you able to like kind of see anything coming our way yeah so as astrologer i'm sure uh, most of my astrologer friends are saying oh gosh the next few years are pretty intense and we're you know going to hit these you know points of of you know things falling apart right in other words in order to be reborn or in order to really hit those those areas that are so deep within our soul that are stopping us that we're afraid of we almost always go through crisis and so we're going now through this collective crisis and we thought the pandemic was it and then it might be the ukraine and it might be you know the overturning of roe v wade or it might be this right and it's happening all over so it's going to just continue to happen because what we're trying to do is break free from anything that binds us to old patterns that don't serve and when i say don't serve i mean not just don't serve self but don't serve the whole and what happens is oftentimes people are so afraid to change that they're going to cling to anything that is of the old that is of you know some kind of structure right and what i'm seeing is our structures are just shaking up it's like this you know major earthquake it's shaking up to, to the point where it's going to scare a lot of people and it might scare them toward fundamentalism because now they're going to be like, oh, this is the apocalypse and I'm so afraid. Or it might scare them to say, well, the ground's, you know, coming, breaking loose anyway. I might as well be who I'm here to be, right? So it can go either way. And I don't see that we all have to go together, whatever that means. And I'm not being doomsday-ish. It's that our role, if we were to really align with who we're here to be, is to continue to walk that journey with fear, with courage, with this, you know, um, knowing that it doesn't even matter what happens out there, that when we do the work that we are here to do, that is the work. 
whatever that looks like, right? And so for me, it was ministering to my children for all of those years to bring forth children who are going to be really solid people in the world, who are awake, who are heart-centered, right? And at the same time, it's holding space for all of these people who are coming in to say, you know, what is it that I'm here to do? What is it that I want to express? And I've always been so honest by saying, and it's not going to necessarily come easily. Just because you found this doesn't mean, oh, gee, now I'm intuitive. Now I'm going to be able to see what's going to happen and I can avoid that. It's like, no, what is going to likely happen is that more challenges are going to come, right? Having to speak your truth to people who are going to go, oh, you're going to go to hell for that. Or having to rise to your next fear, right? Because that's, it's not just about transformation about my belief system. It's about really transforming that inner fear into trust, into love, into action. And that's really what we're here to do is to break free from everything that binds us and keeps us from our truth, our power, and our joy. So, you know, you learned many years ago how to access the Akashic Records. It sounds like you were using a lot of your knowledge about metaphysics in your own life with your own children, maybe the people closest to you. But when did the switch flip for you in knowing like this is what I am here to do? And I know you call yourself, is it a transformative visionary, a transformational visionary? Transformational visionary. Mm -hmm. When did that come to you? When did, was it like... You know, I think a lot of people reach this point in their journey where they're like, this is what I'm here to do, and I literally can't do anything else. Yes. You know, when was that for you? Um, interesting. I think it really came through crisis, you know, and as much as, you know, we would love to be able to learn, like my mom got to the point, she said to, you know, to God, to whoever, goddess, whoever would listen, is I would really love to learn through wisdom and not experience, you know, but the human condition is so good at learning through experience and usually not so great experiences to finally get it. And it was when my husband was going through this crisis and we separated that I was just like, okay, this is really exhausting. How did I create this? Because I was taught how to manifest and I did learn how, I mean, I got so good at manifesting that when I was 16, 17, I wrote down my perfect guy, 1983-ish, described my future husband, described what I was looking for to a T, you know, like, okay, he plays a little guitar, he has dark skin, you know, beautiful teeth, six foot tall. I mean, I was specific, right? And then sure enough, in, in 86, that's when I met my husband and he matched that. And then of course he ended up having his own dark night of the soul. And during that process, you know, it shook up the reality because I'm thinking, wait, how did I create this? How did I contribute to this? This isn't what I co-created with anybody. Wait a minute. And I ended up going to, you know, therapy who in the therapist happened to also be psychic, which is really a double blessing. And she was basically saying, you know, you need to be, doing this. And at that point, it was sort of like, okay, you can't be normal. That's when I jokingly said, you know, I tried being normal because I wanted so much to just be a mom and be normal and fit into society that it was in essence, even though I believed what I believed, I kept it in the 
back burner because I couldn't find a way to connect with other people. You know, people didn't understand me. They didn't, we couldn't even have the same language about how life worked, right? So it was just sort of like, okay. And even then, even when I parented, I was already parenting outside the box. I had a family bed. I chose consciously back in, you know, my oldest is 28, not to vaccinate my children. I did, I did, I breastfed each of my children until they were three. I had a home birth. I mean, there were so many things that were so non-conventional that that was hard enough that I didn't want to be an extra weirdo with all the spiritual stuff and just seeing the world differently. But it was through crisis and through this, you know, connection with, you know, my therapist who was like, you need to be doing something. And it hit me. It's like, yeah, I, I totally see that. I feel like not only is it time for me to step out and start doing something, but I really saw myself as a teacher of teachers. So it wasn't just that I was going to be teaching people, but I'm here to hold space for those who are here to hold space. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's so powerful. I think what's interesting and, you know, I've, I've attended one of your, your classes on zoom and something that I've heard you talk about multiple times is that like you were almost born awake and like very tuned in to other realms, to spirituality. And it's almost like the human experience has taught you a lot of how to be human and interact with humans. Yes, yes, absolutely. And um, there's a, a man, you know, so I, I recommend a few people who, who will help you. So when I see people, I see them very deeply. It's like, I know you, I know what your soul wants. I can see your patterning, all of that. And I can see, you know, oh my gosh, you're so awake, da, 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 da. And then I usually refer them to other people because sometimes we need to hear kind of who we are and be witness for who we are more than once. And that is basically what happened to me. It's like after my teacher or my, you know, therapist at the time was like, oh, honey, you're not just, you know, you're really awake and, you know, this and that. And I'm like, okay, I kind of thought so. And then I went to an astrologer, numerologer who I absolutely love and adore. He's been awake forever. He's a little older than my mom even. He's still alive though. He's in his 70s. And he looked at my numerology and he does this Pythagorean theory that he downloaded this incredible uh, method. And he's like, you're not just an old soul, you're an ancient soul, like been there, done that. And it was like, okay, I'm hearing this. And then a third person was a man who does iridology. And I thought he was going to do the kind of iridology I had done before when I was pregnant with my son, which was like looking at my health. And as he was looking at my eyes, he just sort of looked and he's like, oh, you're, you're 95% awake. And in, you know, it was just in my eyes. I thought, okay, that's why I do have the awkwardness of being so human. Right. It's, it's like, and that's also, I think why I so desired being a mother. It's like, what is the ultimate human experience is to, to mother these children. So it, in other words, when we come in, we are going to come in with patterning, no judgment, not that new souls are any less, you know, valuable or beautiful. It's like there's a, a level of, of innocence and sweetness in there that keeps them so pure and open. And they are saying, I'm going to experience this earth plane as a newer soul. But again, no judgment. We don't judge babies for being less than. It's like, oh, we're holding space for them in a different way. And then there's the people with PhDs and we don't honor them. I mean, obviously in our culture, we tend to be like, oh, they're going to make more money. But think about the PhDs who are broke because nobody wants them because what they happened to get their PhD in was something that everybody's going, what is that? I don't understand it, right? So there are going to be those mystics who are your everyday mystics who just still can't figure out how to 
bring their gifts through to the people as the people are. So part of what they've had to do is have really human experiences so they can relate to the people and then go, okay, now here's a way that I can understand you a little more clearly to kind of give you an energy frequency picture of, of how things could expand within you, right? Yeah, this actually relates to one of the comments. Vessel for Spirit 87 says, that's how I've been feeling. I'm in a business now that I love, but I feel my purpose is in the healing arts. So trying to integrate all of it. So what is your you know, advice or even just your feedback to people who are waking up or diving deeper into their own understanding of spirituality, but are still very much living in the human world? You know, it's not everybody I, I don't think is meant to be a healer or a psychic, but I think a lot of people just want to feel like they're part of a community of spiritual people. Exactly. So I think there's a couple of things. It, we have our five senses. Most of us have them intact, right? And some of us might need glasses and some of us might need a hearing aid or, you know, whatever else. But if we think about our five senses as having also a metaphysical sense that if by activating those, by practicing those, all we're doing is expanding what we already have. Right. And so from the time we were little, if we were taught, oh, you don't see that, you know, spirit behind you, that's that's your imagination. Or if we're taught that we don't hear other voices, then all those things start to shut down. But if our parents, you know, just saw us as who we were and acknowledged that we all have these capacities, it would make it that much easier to access. So that's the, the just expanding just to be who you are. Now let's move into this idea of, you know, moving into the healing arts. Well, just like people who, let's say, want to be therapists, it's really good to have gone through therapy. And all that means is that sometimes you want to explore as the student, as the, you know, the, the client to feel the different um, aspects of whatever's going. Not that you have to be evolved to a certain level, unlike a therapist. You want your therapist to have worked through a lot of their trauma, let's say. But the issue is more experimentation, play, exploring, you know, understanding, and just dabbling. It's like when you go to junior college and it doesn't cost as much, you kind of just can take what you'd like. And at some point, yes, you probably want to go to the next level. So that's the path I sort of see. And if there is an energy that you say try or practice, maybe it is Reiki, that if nothing else, you can use it on your family, you can use it on your dog, you can use it on yourself, and it becomes integrated just like your intuition. But if it is something that shows you, this is what I really want to do, then it's taking it to that next level of why not, then I recommend, you know, why not go to have a booth at a psychic fair that's local and, and practice with people. When I first started doing Akashic Record readings, one of the things I did was for the whole month of September 20, uh, 2005, I basically said, okay, anybody who wants a reading from me during this month will get one. And so I just put it out to my friends and then it was all by phone at the time. And then or a few people did come to my house and then they told their friends and pretty soon I was reading people I didn't know. And I'm like, wow, I'm still right. How'd that happen? Right. And then it just became this this open ended continuous practice for that full month. It was sort of my practicum, really. And then I started uh, doing professionally paid in my office in October of uh, 2005. So it's it's a matter of just saying yes to what you're hearing, what you're getting, uh, giving yourself some room to play, and then starting to move down that path with fear, like I said, with conviction, with joy. And, and at some point, 
it'll start to connect that, yeah, this is really what I'm here to do. Yeah, it sounds like for you, a lot of your confidence in your abilities to channel and to, you know, download information or whatever you want to call it, whatever you're accessing came through just practice and experience. And I, I've felt the same way because, you know, our human brain a lot of the time is the thing that's tells us, oh, am I enough? Am I good enough? Do I know enough? All these things. And it's like, for me, at least my experience is just being willing to try and like you did say, okay, I'm just going to start reading people and I'm just going to start seeing if this resonates. And then the more people who say like, wow, I feel really seen right now, or that was so spot on, or nobody's ever described it to me like that. It's like, oh, okay, this is confirmation, you know, that this is what I'm, I'm supposed to be doing and what I'm here to do. So is that just kind of your advice, just like practicing whatever you feel called to do? And it feels like, at least in my experience, the path will unfold naturally if it's supposed to be. Absolutely. And, and, I'll, and I, I confess this to people. So again, I have my whole metaphysical background. I went through, you know, my training, right, um, and learned how to access the records. I got an office, the same office I'm in now, in 2005, started working, and meanwhile, parenting, etc. I remember, and then at that point, I was also teaching. I started teaching with my mom intuitive skills. And I remember thinking, I don't know the first thing about intuitive skills. I know how to access the records. How am I going to teach this with my mom? And of course, my mom was a little bit more fundamental and she'd be like, this is the what we need to teach and here's how it looks and here's how, because she'd been teaching for, you know, 20 years before I came along. I mean, me wanting to teach with her, that is. And so when I thought, okay, well, if we do it your way, mom, then I'll just sit and watch because I don't use any of that stuff. And so then she softened and we came together with, a, with an agenda and then I recognized what was so valuable for our students is they got to see how different we were. And it almost gives you permission because as soon as you believe that there's just one way to do it and you don't match that, that can create more doubt. And that's why I'm saying to experience different, maybe you know two or three Reiki practitioners, maybe you know two or three astrologers, maybe you, you know, just experiment so that you get to see how different people are so that you feel more comfortable finding your way. So that's that first part. And then the second part that, that I have to laugh about is, and I've confessed this many a times, I was doing this work accessing people's records, getting the absolute confirmation nods from people, people telling me I'm spot on for five years on top of my metaphysical upbringing, and I'd still have doubts. I could feel it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, really? Because the question would come to me, and I'd listen inwardly for the question, and meanwhile, I'd hear my voice going, how do you know that answer? There's no way you're going to, and I'm thinking, really? It's been five years, and you're still doubting? But something after about five years, it started to soften. And every once in a while, I might have a little bit of a shakeup if somebody asks me something, usually that might be um, one of my issues. I'm thinking, well, if I knew the answer to that, you know, kind of, you know, because we're all so related. And then essentially, people are going to ask you your issues because how else are you going to see yourself is through their mirror, right? Yeah, that's what gave me confidence, actually, is realizing, like, Every astrologer out there is just intuitively channeling this. We all know the basic archetypes. We all know the basic, you know, uh, energies of each planet and each sign. But a lot of it is just their intuitive channel coming through. And I have my own intuitive channel, you know, so kind of leaning into those abilities. So the... Exactly. 
The last big question I have for you is what has accessing the Akashic Records done for you personally in your life? I think it's helped me move more in the direction of what my work is. I want to say that really carefully because I am not here to teach the world how to access the records. I am not here to teach people to be intuitive. I'm not here to dwell on the, the, the tools or the techniques, but rather to hold space for people to show up to be who they're here to be. So again, my foundation, my, my, the, the thing that is my conviction is holding space for people to step into their truth their power and their joy. Not my defined truth, power, or joy, but theirs, right? This is simply a tool that allows me to do that. So I don't really, I could have picked astrology. I could have picked Reiki. I could have picked, you know, staring at a crystal ball. My son, he used to go with me to psychic fairs at the time um, I was homeschooling him when he was like 11. He was struggling to, to, to read words, you know, he was struggling with his reading. And so I'm like, well, let's do a different kind of reading. And he would go with me to my intuitive skills classes and such. And he was so interested in crystal balls that he, you know, started to buy them with his own money, which they are not cheap. And one day he asked me, mom, how do I read this crystal ball? And I said, I don't know. Why don't you ask the crystal ball? And at, a, at an adult, if I would have said that to they would have been like, you're not helping me. But for an 11 year old, he was like, okay. And so he talked to the ball and he learned how to read it. Right. That's what I do. Hold space for people to really align with who they're here to be. So for the Akashic Records, it's essentially a gig. It's opened me up to more of who I am in these higher realms because it's tapped me directly into oneness in a way that I'd never been tapped into before. And it's helped me really become more compassionate for people because of my background of being so judgmental. And I don't think it's the answer. I don't think it's the only answer. I think it's a tool that works really well for a lot of people and it can help them with those same things it helped me with. F discovering who they are, discovering their gifts, and leaning more toward love consciousness versus being self-critical. So beautiful. And the last thing I, I would love to know is why are you so passionate about helping other people step into their purpose, step into their joy? Yeah, I think it's really, I think it's who I came in to be. I mean, you know, you probably saw it in my chart. It's like, I, I, I can't even separate who I am from who I am, right? There's, it's like, there was, there's this part of me and especially those early, you know, twenties, let's say that so, so, so wanted to just be a mom and say, let's just pretend this other part doesn't exist because at that time it felt like I would have to pick either or, and it might've been from past lives of being the priestess in which I wasn't allowed to bear children. Let's say, you know, I was only married to the divine, you know, whatever that might've been, but either way it's, it was, it felt separate or it felt like it might overtake me and I wouldn't be able to be human. And after the crisis and I recognized that I had to do both, I couldn't separate anymore. And there's these other parts of me that still would love to just unplug and be simple and go, okay, let's just be, you know, a happy little person in my garden. But essentially I came in to hold space for our collective awakening and I can't not do that part.
And again, the, the modality doesn't matter. I feel that this Akashic Records, if anything, actually limits me in a lot of ways. If I get really caught up in the practical, like, oh, teach people this class or teach them intuitive skills, because that's what people often ask for. But again, I'm a teacher of teachers. So if I can empower those people who are here to bring through their messages, whatever that looks like, to be successful, then we are going to impact the whole world because essentially it's going to come back to my own children. I want my children and my grandchildren to live, you know, in heaven on earth, right? So beautiful. And just going back to, you know, your chart, this mid heaven of like mothering the world almost like just being that safe person to let people be who they're supposed to be and one more thing i want to point out as you talked about being a really old soul your son is technically in the 12th house like four minutes behind your rising so when i see a placement that's like that close to the rising sign in the 12th house you know the astrology wheel is like Aries being the beginning, Pisces being the end, the 12th house marking like end of life or a lot of wisdom. It's like your son is just old. <laughs> like you're just, uh, your expression is just this like old soul with so much wisdom. Uh, so I, I always think it's interesting. I, I see with like a lot of really spiritual or wise people that they have placements right at the end of that 12th house. So just, you know, confirmation, I'm sure of what other people have told you. So as we wrap up here, uh, I love to end with an oracle card poll. I'm pulling from the Starseed Oracle today because Starseed concept feels kind of similar when we're talking about other realms and other ways of you know knowing and being. Um, but as I shuffle up, I would love to give you the opportunity to talk about what's coming up, what offerings you have, and how people can get in contact with you, connect with you, book a reading with you. Yeah, absolutely. So that's my website. Thank you. VeronicaLee.tv is the URL. And you can contact me, Veronica Lee, at VeronicaLee.tv. But what you'll find is that I am teaching this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday how to access your Akashic Records. It's the first time I'm teaching this in Zoom form. I've been teaching this in person for 15 years, and it's basically an experiential. And as we work in this realm known as the Akashic Records, we try all kinds of methods. Uh, we play with, uh, let's say, prayer, generic prayer. I actually channel prayers for each of the students in the class. And, you know, and even to the point where I'm like, hold your left hand, you know, like an antenna, you know, I get all these directives and such. But basically, holding space for you to find your connection to the records by experimenting lots of different ways, breath work, etc. So it's not just here's a generic prayer. And now we're going to practice. It's let's play with all kinds of things. And that's uh, still enrollable. It's 198 for all three days. And it's not full days because I know for sure we cannot spend that much time on Zoom. So it's from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You are you know, going to go to all three. And there's plenty of time to have me reflect and see what's going on in your system as well as you know, giving you chances to practice. Lots of hands-on literal things that you're doing to um, connect with your own records. 
Amazing. And this is Veronica's Instagram as well. She puts out a new video every Monday. That's the transformational forecast, which I love tuning into. Uh, and I find oftentimes what I'm seeing astrologically for the week ahead is very in tune with what you're saying. I'm always like, oh, she must be picking up on this energy or so I love, you know, seeing when different data sources or information or whatever you want to call it kind of overlaps like that. Absolutely. All right. Let's go ahead and pull a card because I've got some landscapers outside that are about to interrupt me with uh, a weed whacker, you know, just human life. All right. So just going to tune in here for a second and ask, what do we need to know? Mm, the seven star sisters, birthing creations, tapestry of life and expression are the terms that come up. So let me open up the guidebook here and this Can is I what it has to say. Oh yeah, please do. So the store that's the seven sisters are the Pleiades. The Pleiades yeah. are where the Olympic records are supposedly from. And so basically the information that this is, you know, that the Akashic records, the information of accessing the Akashic records come from the Pleiades, were given to the Mayans, were then translated into Spanish, were then translated into English. So there is absolutely that connection. Oh my gosh, that is amazing that that card came through. And I didn't even ask you about like a starseed connection to the Akashic Records, but of course the Pleiadians are a family of starseeds. If you start diving into the starseed world, uh, you can actually, I think it's like Orion's Belt, right? You can look up towards Orion's Belt and see the Pleiadians. I'm not sure the, the of it, but yes. I, when I, I, feel the, I feel them more like, that's up to the right and behind, you know, that's how I see it. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, yes, in this other realm, this is how you access them. Yeah. Well, here's what the guidebook says. There are new creations that want to be born, beauty that's yearning to be woven, new consciousness that's longing to be breathed into life. If you draw this card, you're being called to surrender to these creations, to usher in a new era of consciousness, and do your bit in weaving the web of life. This is the card of the artist and the midwife. You're being called to ponder questions. What wants to be birthed through you? What new creations are whispering in your ear? What beauty are you being called to make? Creativity and intuition come from the same sacred place. They occur when we find ourselves flowing with the rest of life. Earth is renowned as a planet of manifestation and creativity, and yet so many of us have forgotten how to create. Somewhere along the way, we stopped seeing ourselves as the artists, the creatives, the poets. Yet to be human is to be creative. Creativity is part of your true nature. Perhaps you're being called to surrender to a creative project like a new business or book, or perhaps you're being called to weave beauty in your home or in the way you cook. Regardless of the end result, you're being called to express yourself through your creativity, to surrender to the creative projects that both scare and excite you, to find a way to weave beauty back into everyday life. For where there's creativity, spirit and soul are present, and the world needs those qualities more now than ever before. But wow, what a synchronicity that the seven sisters represent the Pleiadians and that's where the Akashic records are, are coming from or, or, or came through. Or, or exactly, where the information to access them came through. Absolutely, yes. That is so incredible. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been such a beautiful conversation. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we wrap up here? 
No, I just enjoyed this conversation. I enjoyed meeting you. I enjoyed all of this. And I, and one of the things somebody talked about getting warm. Yes, when I'm in the records, I get hot. And so, you know, it's like, okay, it's starting to get a little warm in here, right? And that's just more validation that you are connected. And it's about just opening that heart to say yes to who you are. Yeah, I have to share, Rose said earlier that the the light or the warmth she was feeling at the beginning of this show grew to the point where it felt like it was encompassing her whole house. So I just want to acknowledge her. She's definitely tuning in and feeling it. And I hope that at some point during this conversation, you've been able to feel into that energy too. Thank you again, Veronica, for sharing your wisdom with us, for sharing your story with us, for being so vulnerable with us. And I'm, I'm so excited to keep connecting with you and finding new ways to collaborate. Same, thank you so much. And thank you to everybody who tuned in, who asked questions, who shared your own wisdom. We appreciate you. We will be back next week with another episode of The Spiritual Journalist. Every Tuesday, we have a new conversation live right here on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And if you found this helpful, please go ahead and like and subscribe to the channel. We're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers. That's when we can finally start monetizing these videos so we can keep them coming to you for free. Thank you all for being here. I love you all. Uh, thank you, Rose. Thank you, Veronica. Just so much gratitude for everybody who is part of this experience. And I will see you all next week. Until then, stay curious. Thank you so much for joining our discussion today. If you enjoyed this episode of The Spiritual Journalist, you can find more on thespiritualjournalist.com or you can listen to our conversations wherever you enjoy podcasts. And if you want to learn more about astrology, join me live every weekday morning on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter for Transits Today, where we break down the energy of the day based on the movement of the planets and start our morning off in a high vibe. All of the information we share on The Spiritual Journalist is completely free to you. So if you'd like to support more content like this, the easiest way to do so is to subscribe to our YouTube page. Head over to The Spiritual Shop on our website and buy yourself a little something. Or if you're feeling extra generous, you can buy me a coffee to fuel future live streams. Just tap the link in the description or head to buymeacoffee.com and search The Spiritual Journalist. I'm so grateful you found us here and I can't wait for our next conversation.